0: Hey, John, don't you think we've talked quite enough about the COVID-19 pandemic and all the healthcare and business policy implications? What is left to talk about anyway?
1: Whoa, wait a second. What about the epidemic of mental health issues at a time of this pandemic? What about talking about that?
0: Welcome to CareTalk, America's home for insightful debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. John, let's talk today about how the pandemic has affected mental health and substance abuse. What's happening? Well, let's first start with the fact that we're
1: talking about it. And one of the biggest challenges, the biggest fears I have having in healthcare is people don't talk enough about the hard issue of mental health. But if you look at just the pandemic, David, between March and July, you almost have a doubling of people who admit to a, who to being affected. Their mental health is being affected by the pandemic. You'd expect that it might have gone down over time, but it's actually getting worse. And if people are willing to talk about that, imagine all the things they're not willing to talk about. I mean, just just Salesforce.com, one of the most successful companies in America. Thirty-seven percent of its employees. Admit to being challenged by a mental health issue. I think that we've had a shadow epidemic that is
0: turning into a real epidemic because of the pandemic. John, the num the numbers are staggering. John, you know, as you're saying, over a third of adults are reporting anxiety and depression during the pandemic. It's going up, not going down. Um, and uh, like about one in seven people said that they have uh, have started abusing substances or increased their use of them to manage the stress. And more than one in ten are reporting. Thoughts about suicide. So I think it's you know it's it's a devastating number. I also want to point out though that there are there are some countervailing pieces. So amidst all the all the troubles, families whoa, are getting whoa. together. Whoa, 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 what? I'm not allowed to say good news? This is the bad bad news only. You keep going. No, you keep going. <laughs> no, I, I I think that we have to be able to
1: raise these issues. And I think one of the biggest issues has got to be access. I, I've got to think that all of the conventional ways that people have to access help during this stress point, this stressful time, have got to be harder. I, I don't see the good here. What do
0: you see? I want to see, I want to see some good, John. I'll, I'll roll by, by two of my answers in here. So first of all, you actually have families getting together. You've got some less stress because you don't have the commute. You can stay away from your toxic managers and, and coworkers. Wait, too, and, too close to home. Yeah. Well, I mean, the average person – and then there's you know there's less of a chance for people to get started with drugs, so dispensaries shut down for a time. There's less peer pressure to start uh, vaping, and it gives people a chance to step back and 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 to address kind of the mental health and substance abuse issues. Do it better after the pandemic.
1: You are digging deep to try to find something good here. I think we've got to we've got to address the fact that even before the pandemic, there's not enough access to digital, human, and covered benefits that where people could access decent resources. We know that cognitive behavioral therapy works, that, that we have drugs for depression and anxiety. We've got solutions. We have to make them more accessible. And your, your your answer is families coming together. Yeah, that's good. But I think this problem is big and getting bigger until we can co- come up with a solution to this pandemic. I mean, what do you think the impact of the lockdown is? Well,
0: back? the lockdown has been tough, John, but you, you, you're you not letting me answer in previous questions. So access, I think, is definitely a problem. It's a huge problem beforehand one of the things that the pandemic does is in moving toward telehealth in general uh it enables us to consider mental health to be done on a telehealth basis and to bring in some digital solutions and maybe expanding access in that way so i'm 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 not so negative about that
1: that's fair and i think you look at you look at in the state of massachusetts where you live the people's republic the commonwealth john not a state <laughs> it's a people's republic that the, the Blue Cross for Shield plan is actually equalized and has really immediately gotten to parity for in person and telebehavioral health visits. That's a huge step forward. And I think if we can change the reimbursement, we might change the coverage. And it can't just be for this pandemic, but I think that's been helpful. I, I, I hope the door is open to more digital first solutions. Like, I don't know if you've seen that, that great company, Work It, where they actually it's addiction and and addiction recovery that is digital first because there's been historically a real desire for the healthcare system to control access to mental health, which has shrunk an already limited system, and 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 limited it to even fewer people. I, I'm hoping these things, the the reimbursement changes you're talking about, and the new digital startups in this behavioral area, actually continue to get support. That's how we would actually create some solutions. I'm really concerned here.
0: Well, John, I think uh, one of the fun things about these digital solutions is, is their names. So you mentioned some, there's also one called Amy and there's one called, I love this one, Wobot.
1: <laughs> well, that was, probably, that
0: was probably a fundraising, idea, a bad fundraising idea. But listen, John, you also ask about, you, know, you jump it all around here. I think, you know, he, they were, you asked about the lockdowns. The lockdowns are pretty bad. You know, some of the terminology itself, I think is problematic. Lockdown, Sheltering in place, social distancing. I mean, these are all sort of like the most negative things that you could that you well, could say. Well, it's, what would you? What would you want? Extreme family meetings? I would call it. I would call it. Uh, you know, relax in place. And uh you know, say goodbye to your boss day that kind of things <laughs> stuck in your stuck in your place no yeah. travel. I mean what are you talking about? Yeah yeah so, so I do think that some of the you know actually we should be more careful about the terminology when, when I hear about these things it really sound like you're you're under siege and I think it's, uh, it's it's problematic. So some friendlier friendlier terms I think would be a good place. Uh, to begin. John, I'd like to, you know, we're talking a little bit in general here. Sounds, I've heard of fake news. That sounds like fake words. No, John, it's uh, euphemisms, I think is the term for it. Uh, is that euphemisms? Is that, what does that start with? A U. you? Um, so, John, let's talk about how this affects people of different ages. You know, so we talk about older people that are obviously affected in one way or the other, families that have school age kids, kids themselves, the disabled, people with mental health issues? I mean, how, how, how does it affect different kind of people? I think I go back to the notion that we don't talk enough about mental health,
1: that mental health is a huge line of correlated challenge that drives up hospitalizations, healthcare, emergency room visits, and challenges at home. So let's start with the fact that we don't diagnose and treat enough people. Then you throw in the pandemic where you re- restrict or remove the access you've had and I've got to think it is, it, it, is, it will extend and, and and worsen the isolation that seniors are already feeling or people in difficult relationships are already feeling. And I've got to think it's also really disruptive to kids' happiness and socialization. But I, I don't think the we should be focused as much on the list of things that are going wrong. Because I think this is going wrong everywhere, David. I mean, you're happy with these extreme family meetings
0: and – the fact that you don't have to travel to meet people like me, but I mean, people are suffering out there. Well, John, there's no doubt about it. And I think for older people, you know, the isolation and loneliness is, is a big issue. You think about people that have been uh, in a, a nursing home, and, and of course, our, our bias is to keep people in their own home. But in addition to the kind of their physical health concerns and pains and disability, you know, the, the fact that you can't actually visit people and they're really isolated physically is is, is a problem.
1: Well, and I don't know whether you've seen the statistics, but just isolation alone—people who are who self-acknowledge loneliness, which is a bit large and growing phenomenon—before we got to this pandemic, where we, which had sort of enforced loneliness, those who say that are, they are suffering the equivalent physical, physically, the equivalent of smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, and that gives you a sense of. Not just the dollar cost of all of that healthcare, but the pain that people are feeling and the genuine physical result. If you extend that loneliness beyond the frail and, and isolated elderly across society, I think we're going to be paying a lot more healthcare bills. And we're, and again, my fear is we're not going to be dealing with the root cause. Yeah, and I don't I don't know whether calling it something other than loneliness. What would you
0: What would you call it? I mean, like you're the one with the new words. I like. I mean, I was to use some you know words like isolation feeling disconnected that kind of thing i mean if you consider also from kids standpoint you know they've also got a kind of a loss of social contacts ideally you know initially they, they love it can sleep in and can just be on the phone but they lose that you know they lose that in person social contacts some kids are in abusive settings uh, food insecurity so you know those are those are major stresses that are going to have a lifetime of an impact and then you can't forget the fact that COVID itself um, can actually probably, if someone who gets COVID can end up with mental health issues down the line, either because when they have a resurgence of physical symptoms, that can also lead to mental health problems, or even apparently the inflammation from getting COVID could make it more likely to get certain uh, mental illnesses later on. So Well,
1: just, well just, just think about it, David. If you've got COVID, you're effectively going through a traumatic episode. So I w- wouldn't be surprising if those folks... Many of those folks are dealing with PTSD. And I also worry about the burden on essential workers. I just, you know, I know that we, one of the things that I saw was interesting is we started to really make a lot more accessible, te- accessible telebehavioral health for essential and frontline healthcare workers, which I think is absolutely critical. But I think this all comes back to are we willing to acknowledge this as a problem? Are we willing to put some dollars behind it? And are we going to be flexible? About how people can access it because we can solve these problems. So, John,
0: John, just to talk about how widespread this is. You know, there was a there was a TV show back in the Stone Ages that you and I used to watch, and they used to say, "Kids are people too." Remember that one? I won't sing it for you, but um, I saw that even uh, zoo animals uh, are, are are experiencing depression as a result of uh, COVID. The zookeepers are noticing this and trying to uh, to take steps there. You're really
1: focused on the irrelevant here, dude. But it wouldn't surprise me that social animals like gorillas and others would be concerned. But I think I, I'm, I'm focused on the people. You can take the zoo. Okay,
0: John. Let's talk about technology. We were talking before about some fun names of things like Wobot. Now I saw there's a, what they call this autonomous, culturally competent robot called Pepper. And uh, that's in development and it's supposed to interact with people in, in nursing homes and make them feel all. Well, well you know, I, I, we're not going to use you as a model because we have to have
1: something, a, a, a robot that's empathetic. Right. But I, I do I do think that if you think about a system that's shrunk and underfunded, that the fact that I, I wouldn't be so skeptical of the digital solutions, not just digital first access like WorkIt, but the text chat treatment tools like Ro- Robot. The access to meditation apps like um, uh, Waking Up with Sam Harris or Headspace. I think we what what what's remarkable, and hasn't necessarily been reimbursed or been accessed, is the range of tools that either a professional can use, that could replace or support a professional like Amy, the A-I-M-E AI therapist, or the broad range of understanding that mindfulness and meditation apps access to those kind of therapies at a very low cost or no cost can actually help people get through it. So I think that's there's actually a revolution there that's 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 sort of exciting as long as we can avoid the kind of the the shaming and blaming that some folks like that guy for you know Barstool Sports is doing to kind of to to sort of make fun of what's, a, what's a, of the of the most vulnerable among us. I mean, I was embarrassed by that. That's awful.
0: Yeah, John, you're talking about uh, Skip Bayless and uh, him giving uh, Dak Prescott a hard time because he he was soft, revealing that he had depression after his brother committed suicide. So what a what a jerk. Yeah, just just we, just unacceptable. I don't want to get us into the NC seventeen uh, ratings here with the words you want to say, but I know no, what you're talking but you, about. You, but you
1: look at you I look agree, at folks, courageous folks like Charlemagne the God and others. Um, some some professional athletes who've leaned in, in 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 the NFL and the NBA and said, I own this problem. We you can you own it, too. We can solve it. It's just shameful what he did. And it's unacceptable at a time when we're trying to get people to have, have a conversation. And that's where this starts. It's appalling. We've got to turn around the conversation. That's where we need to get right now. And the pandemic makes it
0: more acute than ever. John, you know, it's uh, it's also, it's, we always like to try to inject a little humor here. Uh, my son, who was a little stressed out by the pandemic, he decided to use one of those inspirational posters, you know, that you see sometimes around the office. And this one says, Sanity. And it says, Mines are like parachutes. And it says, Just because you've lost yours doesn't mean you can borrow mine. So that's. Um, uh,
1: yeah, great. That's <laughs> really funny. Um I think quite the opposite that we have to all be sharing and supporting others. But David, come on, why don't you come up with some ideas? You're the, you're the one who thinks that you acknowledge that things aren't going great. What should, what else should we be doing?
0: Well, John, I, I have an idea, which is, um, you know, we, I, I said we we're going to talk about substance abuse a little bit. One problem is the increased use of, of substances and one policy I think we should we should focus on is actually the rollback of the legalization of recreational marijuana. You know, there's a move to legis- to legalize it at the federal level called the MORE Act. I think it should be called the Bong Hit Act, and uh, I think that should be uh, you know, We should have some pushback on that because I think we're gonna we're gonna look back a decade from now and say, gee, we went too quickly on legalizing marijuana, and look at all the problems that we have. That's that's oh, one can, idea.
1: We can absolutely control it. There's no reason to unleash another addictive substance and make it more accessible. We're doing a massive social experiment in the States. We should we should at least figure out what the impact is there at a time when addictive behaviors are going up.
0: I agree. And John, my other thought is, you know, this is September, it's Suicide Prevention Month. Um, there's all sorts of things people can do uh, in, in terms of reducing suicides, um, asking people about uh, you know, their feelings, being there for them, keeping people safe and help them stay connected over time. There's a proposal to have a national 988 phone number uh, for suicide hotline. I think that would be a good idea as well. So keeping it real, keeping it specific, John. That's my thought.
1: Well, I think you've got crisis text line. There are if people are lonely and desperate, there are solutions out there. There are people who want to help. And I also think we've got to start thinking about again if we're going to take this seriously. Behavioral access to mental health, access to these tools, have got to be integrated into healthcare in general. It shouldn't be segregated, paid differently the parity act which was passed a bunch of years ago with patrick our, our friend patrick kennedy uh, is still not enforced or supported by insurance companies it's 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 underregulated and supported we need to make sure that access is there because if we pay for care we'll get more care and that care and and support for people in need will pay off tenfold in terms of a better society and lower
0: healthcare costs John, I find it's been very therapeutic speaking with you today on this episode of Care Talk, and I would suggest we wrap up our session here. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group.
1: And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. Thanks for listening.